Welcome to Dental Dilemmas, brought to you by the ADA Council on Ethics, Bylaws, and Judicial Affairs, and I am your host, Alex Mellion. Today, we continue a series of episodes that were recorded live at the ADA's annual SmileCon meeting in Houston, Texas. Using the ADA's Code of Ethics and Professional Conduct, we will analyze one of the Council's most popular ethical moments. The ethical question was posed by Dr. Bill Cranford in a previously published article in June of 2019. A 15-year-old girl was seen for a prophylaxis and oral examination. The examination revealed mild gingivitis and marked enamel loss on the palatal surfaces of the maxillary incisors, numbers 7 through 10. The patient has been treated in the practice for 10 years with no oral disease conditions. I am cognizant that interior enamel erosion is often acid-induced, usually from regurgitated gastric fluids. Such enamel erosion is a strong but not absolute marker for eating disorders, such as anorexia or bulimia. Considering the overall health risks for the patient, her age, and parental rights issues, what is the ethical course of action that I should pursue? Dr. Cranford, it's a pleasure to sit down with you here today as we continue our live in-person SmileCon interviews. Uh, today we're discussing a challenging topic, bringing up uh, oral manifestations of a possible eating disorder in a minor. Um, but before we dive into the article, I'd love to learn a little bit about you. Um, how did you first get involved with the ADA and how did you get interested in dental ethics? Um, and one more part of it says, what does it um, kind of mean to you to serve on CBJA or the Council on Ethics and um, Bylaws Judicial Affairs? Okay. Well, First of all, I'm Bill Cranford. I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina, northern South Carolina, right below Charlotte. Getting involved with the ADA immediately after dental school, I just called somebody in my town that I knew was involved, and I said, what does it take to join the local dental society and South Carolina Dental Society and the ADA? And he took me in, mentored me, got me started with that. And one thing I found with the ADA and our district and our state is if you go to the meetings, somebody's eventually going to ask you to do something. Yep. And if you happen to say that word, yes, you're in for life. Yep. So I got involved with ethics, though, early. Uh, I, I did a year and a half of seminary before I went to dental school and was interested in things. And then in dental school, we had to do a senior paper. My senior paper was on dental ethics, and wow. so I've stayed interested in it. And then through ADA, I did peer review, and then I got elected to our state board of dentistry, which was a six-year term. Okay. And I also went through the uh, presidency of our district and served as a trustee for our state dental society. Okay, wonderful. So you've had a, a lot of different involvement. Right. I know you touched on the state dental board piece a little bit, yeah. and... I know you were on the kind of, in, you've been involved in kind of the investigative enforcement side of complaints against uh, dentists and their license. Um, can you tell me what it's like from that standpoint and some things that you may see trending as you're still involved in it? Uh, sure. My background in that is on the state boards, you do look at complaints. And I was on the board from 2001, 2007. In two years, I've looked at every complaint wow. that came through South Carolina. You know, it's 60, 80, 100 a year. I read them all. Yeah. And then one year after I was off the board, the 
uh, dentist behind me got sick. And they called me, will you do this? This is 2008. And I maintained being on our investigative review committee for, since 2008 to 2022. Okay, wonderful. So I've looked at a lot of cases and I've seen the trends. And if you're asking about yeah, the trends, please, yeah. we, we see a lot of dentists doing things that are reaching out and trying to do bigger things than they know how to do. They may be qualified. They may have a dental license. With a dental license, you can do just about anything. Right. But they think because they've taken one class, I can do I can launch this ship to the moon mm-hmm. and the cases are much more expensive and very complex and we do have a lot of overtreatment that we see going on too. Okay. We have the other things of fraud, we have the other things of complaints that don't mean anything, they're just frivolous but it's been very interesting, very educational and it's helped me grow a lot looking at the enforcement and investigative side of a state board. And on SEBJA, mm-hmm. I, I took an unusual route. Most people on SEBJA have gone through their the ADA. Right. Well, my entry was not through that, but through the uh, board. board. And, okay. and people in my district, which is Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, mm-hmm. asked me to serve. So that's kind of how I got in with you. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And I think I appreciate that perspective because it's not one that... Um, we've had before, so I appreciate you going through that a little bit and Thank talking you. about that because I know that that's a subject that a lot of people don't really know how it works, and it's I appreciate that. And then with the article, um, could you give a quick summary about it and what we're talking about today, and, the, and and why you wrote the article? Well, the article was real life experience, which I think most of the articles in ethical moments are, and it involved a young patient, early teen. It, we were doing an examination, typical thing for prophy and gingivitis, and then the lingual, the anterior incisors had just totally been stripped of enamel. Took photographs of it, and we began to say, this doesn't look quite right. And the thoughts of bulimia, gastric reflux, what's going on here, and had the discussion with the young person. And then, how did I handle, or how should you handle? I had right. to come back and say, how should I have handled this mm-hmm. uh, with the parent? Because the patient is a minor. Mm-hmm. So that's where the article started. Okay. So. Talking about that a little bit, I know there's a lot of denial, guilt, vulnerability associated with eating disorders like bulimia. When you suspected it, what types of questions did you ask or what discussions did you have at the chair? What after you thought about it a little bit, did you would you have taken a different approach? And it's something that you should have with a parent present, with an assistant present. How do you go about that? Those are some. That's yeah. a whole stack of questions. Right, I Alex. know it is. Let, let, let's dig back a little bit in, uh, into history and see where I came from. Uh, I'm a lot older than you, <laughs> but uh, when I was in college, I do remember a girl I knew that clearly had a eating disorder and she just drank diet drinks and skinny as a rail and she eventually passed away in her early 30s just from the side effects of that. Another stellar case that everybody remembers, you may not because you're too young, but was uh, Karen Carpenter. I remember sitting in the lab at dental school waxing a denture and the uh, 
classmate sitting beside me turned to me and said, Karen Carpenter just died. And it just really brought bulimia home that it's a disease and it's a disease that kills. So you begin looking at these things and you can see that the big marker for us as dentists to see is there enamel erosion on the linguals. Mm-hmm. And, and what else can cause that? And we find it with mountain dewitis. I may be in trouble naming products <laughs> no, here. But, yeah. but, but uh, I've seen a patient that had Mountain Dew, but they cleaned their teeth really good and they abraded their teeth away. And then uh, you can have it with lemon sucking and a lot of other things. And you can have it from soft drinks. So you're asking, what did I do with the young patient? Or, so I said, we've lost some enamel here. It's usually caused by acid. Are there soft drinks that you're drinking? Are you eating lemons? Are you having gastric reflux? Have you been vomiting? Mm-hmm. And had that honest conversation with her at that time. Mm-hmm. The question you ask about yeah. having somebody in the room right. with me, you know, that's, that's a slippery question too. Usually the hygienist would be there, and right. she was. Uh, it may be a different thing with a female dentist talking to a young patient than yeah. a male dentist. No, and that's definitely a consideration. So right? it's consideration yeah. there. The other consideration too is she's 13 or 14. Her parents have brought her to the dentist. Mama is sitting out in the waiting room. So I converse with the patient. Uh, you could bring the parent into the room, but you, you had asked me earlier, I think, well, what if the parent begins berating the patient right we've yeah. all seen that right. maybe in your orthodontic practice when they have gingivitis <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> you, right so you've yeah. seen it. sometimes you bring mom or dad back and yeah. um they're not wearing the rubber bands and there's there's a discussion or they're not brushing and yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah <laughs> they're, they're taking off on the kids so i'd known the patient and their parents a long time so i the patient went to the waiting room i asked the mother to come back and sit down in my office i said here are the photographs of your child's and here's the things that it can be and these are the possibilities and um, so I said you may want to take your child to your pediatrician or family doctor but they came back with well we've been drinking a lot of sports drinks but you know I, I did show the photograph to a professor at the school and first thing he said is this is this is bulimia. right I do report here you know 15 years later the patient as well good you <laughs> got the right treatment and overcame everything wonderful it's, but it does bring up a lot of ethical questions how do you deal with things right with minors because there are other conditions right that come up like yeah. oral piercings hmm. oral tattoos right. tobacco dipping that in my part of the country that's really big mm-hmm. uh, and and the parents have no Clue that right, and and if the patient, if the, if the minor being the patient asks you not to tell mom or dad, what are and this is this is a, we're, we're approaching it from an ethical standpoint. This yeah. isn't necessarily legal advice, but or anything that we're going to talk about. But how do you approach that if you have a fifteen-year-old that that you notice signs of chewing tobacco or whatnot? Yeah. How do you approach it? Well, just from my perspective, is I. I think I have a good relationship with teenagers, even mm-hmm. though I'm old. I'm really old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I can take a, a young man that's 15 to 18, starting to drink the Mountain Dew and dip, yeah. dip the skull and whatever, and I say, here's a picture of your gums, okay? You don't want me to tell your mom, do you? Okay. 
I won't tell your mom, but if you come back next time and I see this, we're going to talk to your mom. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's ethical, but, but it's kind of like it's between me and him. Yeah. But if he doesn't change what I've asked him as his health care provider, we're bringing in somebody else who's paying for your dental work. You know, yeah, and I think you, yeah, a lot of ethical principles in that. But I think respecting their autonomy yeah. sometimes as a minor. Um, but in, like you're saying, you kind of draw the line: is if, does mom or dad have to be? Does a sit down have to happen now, or do you give them a chance to self-correct it? And I think sometimes they have. They, I can imagine they have a lot of respect for you if you, you give yeah. them that chance. Now, however, if you know, I'm just talking about corrugated uh, gingival mm-hmm. and buccal mucosa. But if the child has a lesion that needs mm-hmm. to be biopsied, right. right? That's a, that's a whole different uh, kettle of fish there. Right. So, yeah. No. And, and it's a different kettle of fish too if the minor is 17 and drives the car to my office and mom and dad aren't there Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's honest conversation honesty i think it's one of our principles there being being truthful veracity yeah i I couldn't agree with you more going back a little bit you we i know we talked about mom or dad belittling the patient or making a scene how do you handle that if it's in in, in kind of where and i know there's different degrees of it it might if it's just a comment or if it's um they're kind of questionable if they're overreacting. How do you, what do you do with that approach? I can't think of that happening too much, but I think I would diffuse it by saying, I've said what I need to say. Y'all need to discuss this at home and uh, see if we can make some changes. Uh, if it's like gingivitis, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to give you a free electric toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. and, and let's see what you can do with that. Yeah. We, we talked about it a little bit already, but you're kind of you're balancing the patient's autonomy if it's a, if they're a minor and kind of at the same time your duty from a beneficent standpoint. Um, is there one kind of over the other that you follow? And like you said, if it's a lesion that needs addressed or if it's something really significant like an eating disorder that needs to be discussed with mom and dad, um, kind of does beneficence trump autonomy but discussing with a minor or how do you view that? Beneficence trumps autonomy. Doing well and taking care of the patient comes first. Uh, I think, you know, if there, of our five principles, is there one that's an ultimate principle? I hate to use the word best or right. the, the penultimate. There's none that's that, but if I had to choose one, what's the best thing for doing good? And then, of course, doing no harm because that patient if that would had been a patient that really had an eating disorder and I ignored that I'm doing harm mm-hmm. I never can say that word non-maleficient <laughs> yeah I'm right there with you with the non-malfeasance but yeah now, depend, right yes I've said it both ways <laughs> yeah and, and people corrected me both ways yeah so. are there any other conditions we talked about them a little bit already but are there any other conditions that you see um, in minors that yeah. may stir up a conflict with the parents uh, along that same discussion. Well, yeah, I think we just kind of brushed yeah. over all of those. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, their home care, uh, mm-hmm. what they're doing to their mouth, uh, their candy intake, the uh, freedom for them to buy whatever they want as far as sugary, citric, and carboxylic acid-based drinks and the damage. I just wish I'd never filled a tooth that was caused by soda because it is just and the you can get everything fixed 
And then two years later, you got to fix it again if they hadn't stopped. And even if they have stopped, you still have these residual decay areas. And I know you're orthodontist, but you've got to see it. Oh, and we you're, do. You're yep. working with that population. Yes, no, that we, we do. About, so we see too. it. And there's, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And one thing similar between me and you two, you're working in a family practice, right? Your dad yeah, found it. Yep. And you got a brother. And yes. I've got me. I've got <laughs> a daughter that's been in for 12 years and a son that just started so that's a it's a great dynamic though right. too to pass that how do you treat people yeah uh, and that's, down to the next generation right and that's um, something that I um, didn't really know coming into a family practice like that how big of an impact and how big of a deal that was and just how, how to handle situations how to yeah. treat people and um, you don't really know it till you're in it but man yeah. does it make a difference this is an interesting thing about dentistry, though. The number of dental children yes. that go into dentistry. Mm-hmm. I heard a guy speak 25 years ago that was really big in the dental industry. He said, you know, i got doctor friends. Mm-hmm. I have lawyer friends. They don't ask their children to go into medicine or law. But it's something about you dentist. And one of the best compliment I've ever gotten in my life was my son when he went to interview for dental school. He said, they want to say my dad was they said why do you want to be a dentist and he said i don't want to say my dad was a dentist but my father came home happy every day mm-hmm. and uh i think it's just a great it's a great career we're in and uh we're helping people and uh, just i come happy I come home happy every day yeah, I, I i hear that again and again yeah. and it, it, man it's, it, it is it is true and then going back to a little bit more, a, a few of the details, because I know with your history, I, I think some of these nuances are important to cover. So how about kind of the rights of minors concerning privacy and non-disclosure? Where, where's that line? And yeah, yeah. I, it's, you know, the, the term is age of majority. I kind of got that confused with age of consent. Age right. of consent has to do with sexual agreement. Okay. Age of majority okay. is when you can be, okay. and, and you can release a minor earlier than that if you've got a disobedient child that says, I don't want to live here anymore. And they, okay. you can make them a majority. It's different in different states. Okay. So you've got to know what it is in your local jurisdiction uh, when you have the okay. ability of adulthood and okay. make decisions on your own. And the, the, it may not matter who's paying for it. Uh, you've got to, got to investigate that. Too. And building good relationships with patients over years, it may have been a whole different ball game with this patient if we saw her, and I hadn't seen her for eight years, and she was a brand-new patient. I don't know what I would have done there. Maybe said, here's some pictures. This doesn't look normal. And uh, so. Right. I think that those relationships are, are key. So we're going to do something a little different here. We're going to walk through kind of this dilemma in relationship to the ADA code of ethics, but um, we're going to, I'm going to set some limits just in, yeah, yeah. you can give one sentence about the code in a statement about its application here. So um, beneficence. Well, the best thing, the good thing, the right thing for this patient is not to push it aside and ignore it, but to confront it. And, uh, and don't say I'm going to see this in six months. Uh, non-malfeasance? Well, we don't want the patient to be hurt. And again, that goes hand in hand with the last question. Is the best thing to do is, is confront it head on. Don't ignore it. Um, how about justice? 
justice uh, that's doing that the right thing and you know that comes into the autonomy question about uh, what are the patient's rights here and you got to navigate that carefully uh, with the autonomy uh, and being just and being able to go to sleep at night that you did not do the wrong thing and that you're fair yeah oh, okay. absolutely um, and then last two patient autonomy that's yeah, that, that's, that's that tricky thing about right. majority yes. and uh, the relationship and the par- parenthood. And um, this patient was able to agree. And you want to get to the patient to see things as the doctor sees them. Right. Um, and then the last one being veracity. Wow. That just ties it all together. Is It, it should go without saying that truth is very important. Mm-hmm. And there are black and whites. It's very funny about our code I'm, I'm going longer yeah. than one sentence yeah. here is that 50 percent of our code or maybe 60 percent has to do with telling the truth right what does that say yeah <laughs> right yeah. you know right. we should be truthful and yeah. we shouldn't have to say that 60 percent of our code. Time. right that's just the way things are yeah um and then we already talked about kind of the main driver in this article being beneficence. So going more on a personal level, uh, what does being an ethical dentist mean to you and how do you apply the ADA code to your everyday practice? I've always simplified it from the time I wrote that paper when I was a senior in dental school. And then I presented one time to the Southern Conference of Dental Deans and Examiners. And my closing slide is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason and uh, it all boils down to that doing the right thing and the difficulty is figuring out what's the right thing right and I think the, 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 the second two parts that you put there the right time and the right reason are and it varies because like you had said it may not you may have a better outcome if you intervene um a different way based on the timing and whatnot so that that's very true yeah and that timing has to be the patient's timing right and the right reason should never be your income yeah or, or making ends meet or buying something that's it should never be in there yeah no I, I couldn't agree more yeah. um, and then we're again we're, we're broadcasting from SmileCon today so um, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways from this meeting or what are you looking forward to as the meetings just getting going today well, I'm going to go to the two seminars that we've got on ethics uh, in Dental Central. I'm looking forward to that and supporting uh, my SEBJA or SEBJA members. <laughs> Both ways. <laughs> I always say SEBJA because ethics, you know, yes. they say SEBJA. Yeah. So I'm going to spend most of my time on the floor here. I've got plenty of CE. I, I am so excited to be back because this has got the energy of the old ADA meetings, and we've got more young people here. And I'm excited. I'm going to plug ADA as Orlando next year. If you got little children, all right, you yep. better be there. Oh, we are. Yeah. Are, are yep. you bringing them? I, <laughs> yes. I'm going to bring, bring the grandkids. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's just a great energy here today. Dr. Cranford, thank you for doing this. And, again, it's wonderful to do these in person and um, hope to connect soon. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's, yep. been, it's been a pleasure. A final note about the episode. Please see the show notes for a link to the original article and stay tuned for future episodes. At the close of the episode, continue listening to hear the sections of the ADA's Principles of Ethics and Code of Professional Conduct pertinent to the original Ethical Moment article. 
Thank you for keeping ethics at the forefront of the dental profession and join Sibja as we continue to solve dental dilemmas. This article discusses four sections of the ADA's Principles of Ethics and Code of Professional Conduct. These sections are as follows. Section 3, Beneficence, or Do Good. The dentist has a duty to promote the patient's welfare. This principle expresses the concept that professionals have a duty to act for the benefit of others. Under this principle, the dentist's primary obligation is service to the patient and the public at large. The most important aspect of this obligation is the competent and timely delivery of dental care within the bounds of clinical circumstances presented by the patient, with due consideration being given to the needs, desires, and values of the patient. The same ethical considerations apply whether the dentist engages in fee-for-service, managed care, or some other practice arrangement. Dentists may choose to enter into contracts governing the provision of care to a group of patients. However, contract obligations do not excuse dentists from their ethical duty to put the patient's welfare first. Section 2B, Consultation and Referral. Dentists shall be obliged to seek consultation if possible whenever the welfare of patients will be safeguarded or advanced by utilizing those who have special skills, knowledge, and experience. When patients visit or are referred to specialist or consulting dentist for consultation, one, the specialist or consulting dentist upon completion of their care shall return the patient unless the patient expressly reveals a different preference to the referring dentist or if none, to the dentist of record for future care. The specialist shall be obliged when there's no referring dentist and upon a completion of, of their treatment to inform the patients when there is a need for further dental care. Section one, patient autonomy or self-governance. The dentist has a duty to respect the patient's rights to self-determination and confidentiality. This principle expresses a concept that professionals have a duty to treat the patient according to the patient's desires within the bounds of accepted treatment and to protect the patient's confidentiality. Under this principle, the dentist's primary obligations include involving patients in the treatment decisions in a meaningful way, with due consideration being given to the patient's needs, desires, and abilities, and safeguarding the patient's privacy. Section 2, Non-Maleficence, or Do No Harm. The dentist has a duty to refrain from the harming the patient. This principle expresses a concept that professionals have a duty to protect the patient from harm. Under this principle, the dentist's primary obligations include keeping knowledge and skills current, knowing one's own limitations, and when to refer to a specialist or other professional, and knowing when and under what circumstances delegation of patient care to auxiliaries is appropriate. Section 5, Veracity or Truthfulness. The dentist has a duty to communicate truthfully. This principle expresses a concept that professionals have a duty to be honest and trustworthy in their dealings with people. Under this principle, the dentist's primary obligations include respecting the position of trust inherent in the dentist-patient relationship, communicating truthfully and without deception, and maintaining intellectual integrity. Remember to keep ethics at the forefront of your daily practice, and stay tuned to Sibja Decode's Dental Dilemmas.